continue that study tonight. And I'm going to talk to you for a few moments, and we're going to jump in and out of Scripture. And uh, I believe with the help of the Holy Ghost that God will give us greater understanding. Amen. How many wants greater understanding tonight? Amen. I want to go further in God. Amen. I don't want to uh, look back on my life in five years and say, you know what, I'm the same as I was five years prior. I want to look back five years and say, you know what, I've grown since then. I've learned some things since then. And I've had a lot of victories. I may have had a lot of battles, but I've had a lot of victories. And God has helped me to be victorious. And uh, I am looking forward to what God is going to do. Amen. In our church and through our families. Uh, We began talking last week uh, about the church of God. And we talked about how the word church comes from the word ecclesia, which means which means the called out ones. Um, And in the New Testament, it is those that are born of the water and of the spirit. And we talked about how uh, with the call of Abraham and and his seed, God began to uh, work through a select group of people. Amen. Which to put his name uh, upon their lives. And it has been the will of God ever since to, to call out a people, amen, to bring out a people of the Gentiles that are called by his name. And I'm going to start with a little bit of foundational uh, remarks to co- kind of set the stage for what we're talking about tonight. Uh, but we're going to continue to build on last Wednesday night's subject of the church of God. There are basically six types of government. Uh, the first of which is monarchy. Amen. We're going to have a little bit of the history lesson here tonight for a few moments. Uh, but the, one of the first types of government is a monarchy. Can you say that with me? Monarchy. monarchy. We've heard that term before. And it simply means govern, uh, government by one man, which is the king. And this would be, uh, you know, different kingdoms that we read about in Scripture. They were uh, governed by one man who called all the shots and whatever... Uh, in, in the case of Egypt, Pharaoh was that king and whatever he said was law. He can change it whenever he wanted to and he could do whatever he wanted to do. And he had no repercussions of his uh, of his sins, of his evil deeds. But he was he was a monarch. He was the king. The second of which uh, form of government tonight is the oligarchy. And the oligarchy is a uh, is a kingdom that, that is governed by an elite few. It is a government that is ruled over by a, a few group of a few people and they make all of the decisions. And the third type of government is anarchy, which really is not even government at all because it is government by no one in particular. Um, and the fourth type of, de, uh, of government is that which we embrace here in the United States of America. And it is a democracy And a democracy is a government that is uh, by the majority of people we have in our uh, we have in in, in America, uh, the Electoral College, and it seeks to to choose a representation of the greater population spread throughout the United States of America. Uh, And a democracy is a government by majority. Uh, However, it uses uh, some means of representation. So even though we have the president of the United States. It's the govern. It's the majority of people that elect that official. And then there's a fifth type, and I hadn't heard of this before my study tonight. But the fifth type of government is a gerontocracy. How many's heard of a gerontocracy? No one's ever heard of that. So I'm with you tonight. I've never heard of it before, but began studying 
about different types of government. And the fifth type is gerontocracy. And it is government by the old men. So it is a type of government that different, maybe different kingdoms embrace where they choose the eldest, the, the oldest men to make all of, this, of the decisions and to, to govern that body. And the sixth type that we're talking about tonight, and there's going to be a hybrid that we're talking about, but the sixth type is a theocracy. And a theocracy is government by God through appointed authorities. And the church is the hybrid of a theocracy and a monarchy. The church is to be a theocratic monarchy where God himself is the ruler and is as the king. It is a theocratic monarchy where God, amen, that heavenly being God rules as king. And as that relates tonight to the church of God, we're talking about some foundational concepts tonight. Uh, in each local congregation, amen, of churches throughout the world today and, and this week, and there's going to be uh, different people that step behind a pulpit. And God uses an under shepherd or a pastor as the primary agency through which he carries out his will or he carries out his government. It is the way in which that God has uh, set up the church to be to be ordained of God. There's going to be ministers that step behind this pulpit and they begin to set direction. They begin to give words of understanding, words of revelation. And God has uh, set into place, into motion, the role of under shepherd or pastor. And that is the role that God has called me to feel in this church tonight. In, a con- in contrast to a dem- democratic government like the United States of America, the power of government in God's theocratic monarchy always flows from above and flows downward. In a democracy, the power flows uh, in, if it's, if it's a uh, completely healthily functioning democracy, the power flows for the people, by the people, for the people. It's from the people and it goes upwards. And so the people can vote in and out of office, whichever politicians or elected officials that they choose. So the power structure is supposed to uh, theoretically in a democracy come from down below from the people and reach its way upward into the higher uh, realms of office. But in a theocracy, amen, in God's theocratic monarchy, it always flows from above and flows downward. Amen. That is why it is still very relevant, still very important for us as the people of God to make sure that we are in perfect alignment with that flow of power that God has ordained, amen, to be in the church of the living God. And that is why so many times in the church, the devil would try to step into a church and try to sow discord and try to sow, amen, some sort of, uh, try to mess up your relationship between yourself and myself as a pastor or yourself and the man of God, the ministry that God has appointed, amen, to give direction and to give counsel for your life. Because the power flows from above and it flows downward. And so if we can stay in perfect alignment, amen, we find ourselves under that umbrella of protection, that umbrella of authority, and we can be blessed by the Lord. We see that uh, 
that thought process of uh, power flowing from above and downward in Romans chapter 13 and 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. And for a moment tonight, going to talk about several offices or officers within the local church. And this is according to scriptures. There are different offices of the local church and they fall into two categories. The first of which is a fivefold ministry. I want someone to turn to Ephesians chapter four and verse eight. Amen. I'm going to ask someone to help me read tonight. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8 through verse 12. Somebody stand and read that tonight. He gave what? Gifts. Gifts. So we're talking about gifts tonight. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above, above all heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave some Stop right there. He, so we're talking about gifts. And these, keep, keep standing, Sister Didi. I want you to finish reading it, but I want to point out that these are the gifts that was mentioned in verse number 8. These are the gifts that God gave. Keep reading, please. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And read one more, please. To all come in the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Thank you. So this is the first category, is a fivefold ministry. That God has selected to move through, amen, to help the church to be the church and to grow healthy and strong and uh, the way that God has intended for it to be. Uh, these are going to be some things that maybe you already know, but for the sake of uh, just making sure we're covering our bases tonight, an apostle. An apostle is one that is sent of God to bring the gospel to new areas. A lot of times that looks like uh, what I've heard in, in modern day terms is uh, the, the late Reverend Billy Cole. That was one of the first to ever go to the, the nation of Thailand. And he was the first to bring the oneness of God and the message of the gospel to Thailand. He was going out. Into a new territory to begin to proclaim and to preach the gospel. That is the role of an apostle. Uh, and the second category that we listed in the fivefold ministry uh, is that of the prophet. And that is the, the that is one that is a foreteller of the future. 
someone that God has entrusted to be able to know things that are going to happen at a future time. And God speaks to that prophet and begins to tell him things and uh, what's going to happen so the church and the people of God can make themselves ready and can make better decisions. We have experienced, amen, these different roles, these different gifts in this church, amen. In, in one sense of the word of apostle, amen, my father was one that God sent to this city to dig out a work and to start a church, to go to a new area that did not have an apostolic church and begin to dig it out and to, by the grace of God, help to see something established. We've had men of God that have come through uh, Abundant Life Center and have prophesied and said such and such is going to happen at a future date in the not too distant future and take it to the bank. It's happened. And for instance, some years ago at the um, at the church there on Fifth and J Street, we were there and thinking it, uh, it was going to be maybe the, the place that God had for us to be permanently. And a, and a man of God came through and said, mark it down. They're going to lock the doors on you. They're going to kick you out of here. And it's not going to be very long. But God's going to provide another building. And it's not going to look like a church building. But that's going to be where the glory of God is going to be at. And God's going to bless you there. And sure enough, it happened. They, they kicked us out just a few weeks after that prophecy. And another door opened for another church building. Uh, and I can tell you from my memory as a child, as a young boy... In that building, there was some credible, there were some three-hour services that felt like an hour long, amen, because the glory of God would sweep through that place. And there was times when you didn't care laying on the concrete floor talking in tongues for an hour because the glory of God, the presence of God was so strong. And the role of the prophet has been utilized. And we have uh, the third category, the third uh, part of the fivefold ministry is that of an evangelist or one who is greatly used of God in breaking through to new dimensions of revival and growth in a local church. Amen. And I'm going to say it like this. We need every one of these uh, parts of ministry. This church needs every one of these of this fivefold ministry to be in action, to be in play in this church if we're going to be successful. Amen. And I'm looking forward to even this Sunday. And I, do, I know we did not take time for the announcements, but this coming Sunday, amen, God has uh, uh, orchestrated that we can have with us uh, Brother Andrew Parks, who's an evangelist, a young evangelist. And he's going to be here this Sunday preaching the word of the Lord. And we should not look at that and say, well, he's a young man still trying to cut his teeth and, and he doesn't hasn't walked through the, the trials and the storms that I've walked through. But if we will take it and say, this is a gift from the Lord. This man in this pulpit that's going to preach on Sunday is a gift from the Lord. He's going to fulfill the role of an evangelist. And if we hear him, amen, God can help us to go to new dimensions of revival and break through, amen, to greater growth in this church. And God wants to use, amen, the role of the evangelist. And the uh, fourth, or some have said the the, uh, these are combined, this, sec, this last category, because the Bible says, if you notice verse 11, he gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, he gave some evangelists, and he gave some pastors and teachers. Some have said it's a fourfold ministry, uh, however you want to call it, fivefold ministry or fourfold ministry. But the, the last category there is pastors and teachers. 
And this is one who is responsible to God for the oversight of the local church materially, financially, and spiritually. And that is the role that God has entrusted, amen, myself to fulfill. And in that category, Brother Walmer is there and Bishop Camarena is there as teachers. uh, And God is using them to help us to go further, to further our, our understanding of the word of God. But the pastor, the role of the pastor, according to scripture, is to set in order the things that are lacking. The role of the pastor is to earnestly contend for the faith. To, to fight for that which is truth. Uh, to fight for that revealed word of God that God has given to this church. And that is my responsibility. The thing that a pastor and a teacher and any of these uh, fivefold ministry uh, uh, roles go. Amen. What they are not to be is they are not to be a hireling. They are not to be someone that prostitutes the ministry for a sum of money. Amen. If the day comes, amen, when we begin to uh, take advice from certain individuals that because they uh, they give bigger tithing or they uh, they give big offerings or whatever the case would be. And they say, I want you to stop preaching this and stop teaching this uh, or I'm going to pull back my tithing. Amen. It is the responsibility of myself as a pastor to say we're going to do amen and preach and proclaim what thus says the word of the Lord. And there's not going to be an hireling in this pulpit. Amen. Because God has called us to set in order the things that are lacking and to contend for the faith. There is a contentious side to the ministry tonight. Some say, well, that that preacher's contentious. Amen. There there is a contentious side. Amen. When you begin to come against certain uh, orders in which God has ordained for the church. And you begin to come up up against it and buck against it. It is the, the job of the pastor to contend for the faith. Amen. To fight for that which is right. Amen. To shut in order the things that are lacking. Hallelujah. The second Category that we're talking about. First category was a fivefold ministry. And the, the second category is that of deacons. And this these men, according to Acts chapter 6, are to take care of the things which would take away from the fivefold ministry, giving themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. In other words, in the book of Acts, the apostles said we, we need to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And we can relegate or delegate to those deacons in the church to be able to wait on tables and to do those things uh, that we should not be focusing on as a ministry. And God will raise up in each church deacons. And another word that is used in the word of God is helps. And these are areas in which all of us can get involved in. Amen. In the area of helps. And these are numerous other positions that are necessary to the carrying out of God's word. You say, well, you know, I want to be a a prophet. I want to be an evangelist. I believe that first that has to start. Amen. And just being a help. Amen. In this local assembly. And just being a, uh, a, a minister, if you will, of sorts. And just say, God, help me to be able to minister to other people. Help me to be able to, if, if the pastor has got to uh, do all of the different setup on a weekly basis and tear down all by himself, there's something wrong with that. There should be people that step up and say, I'll help. I'll help to carry that burden so 
Pastor, you can pray and you can minister the word and you can give yourself to the word of God and doing what you need to do. I'll help with the other stuff. And when these things are functioning in the church, the church is healthy. Because of the head, which is Christ, is trying to send out signals and messages to the body of Christ. I want this arm to extend out here. And I want the hand to begin to grab a hold of something here and pull it in close. But if the body parts, the body is not receiving and is not obeying the messages and the signals that God is sending. We become a handicapped, invalid body. That is not good for anything. But God wants to use this church. And I'm going to shift gears for a few moments here tonight and talk about how that God's word uses varied examples by which he reveals the nature of the church in its different aspects. This shows us that we should not look at believers only as sheep. If you look at the body of Christ, you say, well, they're just sheep. That gives you a little bit of an understanding of the body of Christ, but a limited one. And you can begin to uh, position people in certain categories and say, well, that person, they're just dumb. They're a sheep. They're, and you not get the full picture of what God wants to paint to help you to understand what the church is. And so there's different analogies that are used. Uh, Such as the church is the bride of Christ. The church is a work of art. And there's different other things that we're going to get into here in a moment. And these analogies are like shelves that are placed on the human mind. To furnish a storage place for our concepts of the church or the kingdom of God. An analogy can be defined as a comparison between two things. Typically for the purpose of explanation or clarification. And there are many analogies in the Bible that help to give us an understanding of what the church is. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. I'd like us to turn back a couple pages if you're already there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. I'd like to have someone stand and read that for me tonight. Chapter 2 of Ephesians Verse 19 through 22. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. All the way through 22, please. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fit framely, fitly framed together, Groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and we also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, the church is a fine building. Not just, should, not only should we look at the church as a sheep pasture, but also we can look at the church and say it's a fine building. It is something that God wants to build. And in this analogy of the church as a fine building, it is God himself who is the architect or the designer and the builder. In Matthew 16 and 18, he says that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is the one that wants to give the directions, 
the, the blueprints, the, the design for how it is to be built. And if you follow, we follow the blueprint that the architect has put together using AutoCAD or whatever program. Amen. If you follow that design of the architect, when it's all said and done, you can stand back and look in awe and, and admiration and say, wow, what a beautiful edifice. What a beautiful design. Wow, that architect thought about all the different ways in which the wind would blow and the sun would shine and the, the flow of the people. And the architect really took into consideration all of these things. But sometimes just looking at a blueprint, you can't make out what is actually saying. But God uses a man to begin to interpret the blueprint. And God uses a pastor. God uses a preacher to say, you know what? Uh, I, I understand you mean well, but that's not what we're going to do. We've got to do it according to this plan that God revealed to me through the scriptures. And the pastoral ministry is the superintendent, if you will, the foreman, the overseer. For 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2 says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. So there is to the pastoral ministry the, uh, the responsibility of oversight. It is something that God has designed the pastoral ministry to do and how to function. The body of believers are the skilled tradesmen and laborers. Amen. You and I. God would call upon you as a church to say, I'm going to use that, that skill that, Brother Nate, you've been developing. And I'm going to use it to, to, to bless the church say, on, on the drums. Sister Gina, the, the hunger you've got for media or whatever, I want to use that. And, and all of the different ways in which God looks at a person's life and says, there's a skill, there's a talent, there's an ability. I, if you allow God to, to use your life. And you step into your anointing. You step into your ministry. Amen. The church is blessed because of it. The church is blessed because the body is functioning. And the person that knows how to do X, Y, and Z is doing X, Y, and Z. And the person that knows how to, how to build and how to, how to sow, how to do any different craft or trade that God is using them. Because that's the way in which God intended it to be. And the Bible is that set of architectural drawings. For 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. A lot of times we can read this scripture and we say we think, wow, the scripture is for doctrine and we love doctrine. But when we use a scripture and it's to correct somebody, it's to reprove somebody, it's to instruct somebody. We don't we don't like that. You know, you're misinterpreting scriptures. I, I, I took a screenshot of a, uh, a, a comment that was made on social media from a preacher. Maybe you've seen it. He stated, everyone believes. Everyone believes in apostolic authority. Until it's exercised over them. We, 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 we'll shout apostolic authority. We want the power of God to fall. We want an apostolic man of God to take authority. But when it's exercised over us. A lot of times. I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. That makes me on edge. That makes me. 
I don't like that. And you know what? If we have a right spirit, if we'll keep a right spirit and say, God, if if that's what the man of God told me to do, I'm going to say, yes, sir, I'll do it. A few weeks ago, I was talking to my pastor, Pastor Shoemaker, and he said, Brother Nate, I want you... I got a word from the Lord. You're not going to like it. I said, oh, man. You're to do, you're to do this and you're to do that. And I, and I thought, well, I can, you know, my, in, my, in my mind, I was thinking, well, let me explain where I'm coming from. Maybe I'll help change your mind. In, in my mind, I, I, I wanted to kind of formulate a, a response and say, well, um, you know, I, I need this. And, and, and if we're going to do what we're supposed to do, we need this element. And. I kept my spirit and I said, yes, sir. I'm going to trust God to help me to fulfill that word. And I'm going to, by the grace of God, God's going to help me to do it. Because if God gave my pastor a word for me, who am I to question? If it lines up with the word of the Lord, who am I to say, well, you know what? You haven't stopped to consider this pastor. You know, I've got a special circumstance. I don't. And we, we all want to justify and say, well, you know what? Uh. I'm different, though. But when the word of God and apostolic authority is exercised over our lives, we need to have the right spirit that just says, you know what? Yes, sir. I received that. And I'm going to take that to God in prayer. And you know, what? every time that my pastor told me to do something that I didn't necessarily want to do and I did it, God blessed me for it. And God anointed me and God helped me. And I've learned through the years, you know what? When I receive things that I don't like to hear. I can take it to the bank if I'll obey my man of God, if I'll keep a right spirit, and I'll understand that this scripture in 2 Timothy Timothy 3 and 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable not just for doctrine, but it's for reproof, it's for correction, for instruction in righteousness. My father, down through the years, has called me many times when I was younger, and he would say, son, I noticed you didn't pay your tithe. Well, I'm getting to it, dad. You need to pay your tithe. Yes, sir. And I would write out the check and I'd pay my tithe. Not because he wasn't after my money, but he wanted to make sure that I got it right. If my tithe was a little bit less, he'd say, you know what? Your tithe is a little bit less. What's going on? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I'll pay my full tithe, dad. And God blessed me. And God prospered me. There was times he would say, you know what? You need to be early for prayer. (sighs) Yes, sir. I could stop right there and and begin to tell him the reasons why I can't be. And and my struggles. And and what I'm going through. But if he's asking me to do it. And he's my pastor. Yes, sir. By the grace of God, you're going to help me to do it, Lord. God will make a way for me. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. But that word of God is there to help me. Not to hurt me. In the church, even in this place tonight, none of us have enemies in this church. I'm not your enemy. The person across the row is not your enemy. This is a family of God. And there's not to ever be in this church a spirit of competition. Well, you know what? That person's been asking about the ministry I'm involved in. That's my area. 
Bless God. You know what? Bring them on. The more the better. That's how we ought to look at things. And these are just some things that they'll help this. They'll help us as a church to be better, to grow stronger, to, to be the, the fully functioning body of Christ. And in this analogy of the church as a fine building, the Holy Ghost is that building inspector that comes along. You know, that building inspector, you better make friends with the building inspector. You better make sure you're good with the building inspector. We had, I don't know if you listened to this message, but we had our building inspector out a few weeks ago. And he came here and I, I said, Shannon, I want you to come here. I want you to bring that little baby. Dress her up nice and cute. Smile real big. Shake his hand. Let him see our beautiful family. Show him around the church. Let's, let's just pour on the love because we want to make sure we're right with the building inspector. And thank God everything went well and you know the, the inspection went good and, and he, signed the, he signed off and we're just thinking, thank God. If we take that same approach with the Holy Ghost every day and say, you know what? I want to make sure I still got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to talk in tongues today. I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm going to pray through to speaking in tongues. And you know what happens every time I pray and I ask the Lord God, if there's any sin in my life, and before I can finish saying, please show me, God already brings it to my attention. Oh, yeah, that's right, Lord. Um, forgive me of that, God. Help me to do. The Holy Ghost, as a bill inspector, if you allow it to work in your life, it'll bring things to your attention. It'll bring things to the forefront of your mind. You'll begin to say, oh, the bill inspector, when he, when he comes through here, he's looking at every square inch. He's looking at how things are built, how things are wired, what is there a safety hazard, what's going on, does everything match code. He's going down the list. And if we'll have that Holy Ghost work in our lives, and, and we're, we're getting in the Holy Ghost, but that Holy Ghost is getting in us. If, the, if you allow the Holy Ghost to really get on the inside of you, amen, when you get out of, when you get out of praying, when you get out of a deep move of the Holy Ghost and praying, you're going to come out of that time of prayer wanting to love people that you don't even know. I love you. They're like, I don't even know you. I know, but I love you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It'll, it'll just come naturally. You're, you're going to say, you know what? I know you did me wrong, but I love you anyhow. I forgave you. God dealt me about in prayer. I love you. I'm not going to hold grudges. Amen. You can get up from a time of prayer and God will begin to, in that time of prayer, if you're getting the Holy Ghost, God will begin searching your heart. And God will say, what about that grudge you got against your auntie? What about that bitterness you got against your parents? What about that thing you got against brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? And if you allow the Holy Ghost, that, that building inspector to begin working in your life, it'll begin to bring things out. You'll begin to say, oh God, help me to address these issues. God, these mishaps in my life because I've got to be right with God. I've got to make sure that my life is lined up with the word of God. And there's nothing that's going to separate me from your love that I don't allow to God. And that Holy Ghost, amen, I'm telling you, that's why we preach getting the Holy Ghost. Amen, get in a time of prayer. Seek God, seek His face. Allow God to talk back to you. And listen, God, what adjustments, what things are going to change in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God will speak to you. You say, I've never heard the voice of God. That's all right. You, you, God will bring things to the forefront of your mind. 
You begin talking to God in prayer. If you ask the Lord honestly in prayer, God, what do I need to do to be a better Christian? Get ready because those responses are coming. What do I need to do, Lord, to be a better husband? And, oh, that's right, God. Yeah, you know. Oh, oh my. And all these things because that Holy Ghost knows what you need to do. And it will begin speaking to you. And I heard somebody say something recently. And I, I can't remember the, the context that they said it in. But uh, I think it was about uh, we were at the anniversary service for Brother and Sister Caputo in Oakland. And Brother uh, Caputo was making some remarks about uh, Brother Miles Young. He said, one thing I've never seen him, and Brother Miles Young, I've never seen him get agitated, never seen him get uh, bent out of shape. Always has that positive, uh, delightful disposition. And he said, maybe it's because Pastor Young knows something he can control is his attitude. You can't always control other people's responses. Some people say, well, I don't like that person, so I'm going to be mad and bitter. And you're going to find yourself in a cage of bitterness. That you put yourself into. You walked into it on your own. And God says, you know what? It's your attitude. It's not It's not my attitude. It's your attitude. And people are going to do you wrong. People are going to offend you. People are going to say things and you're not going to like it. And some things are right. Some things are wrong. But the one thing you can control is your attitude and your response. That says, you know what, I'm going to love that person anyways. And God is going to help me. And when we as a church, as mature believers learn, you know what? I'm going to pray earnestly for that person that offended me. I'm going to pray for them. That person that did me wrong, I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to say, God, give me a love for them. God, I prayed this, uh, uh, I prayed this just last week or something. And I was trying to search. I was asking God, search my heart. Anything in me, God, if I've got bitterness, if I've got ought against anybody, God, forgive, forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them, God. Don't lay it to their charge. That's what the Lord instructed us to pray. Don't lay it to their charge, Lord. Don't hold it against them, Lord. I forgive them. God, I'm going to keep a right spirit, a forgiving spirit. And that Holy Ghost, as that building inspector, will begin searching your heart. And if you allow and you take some time in the presence of God, you can say, God, is there anything in me that the devil, is there, any, is there anything that the devil can lay claim to? The scripture says, uh, the, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Now, I may not have that exact quote, but he says, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. What does that mean? It says, it means he has no claim to my life. I've relinquished all bitterness. I've relinquished all spite. I've relinquished anything, amen, that anybody's ever done. So when the devil comes against me, he can't lay claim to any area of my life because I've forgiven. I've moved forward. I've taken it to God in prayer. The Holy Ghost has called it out, and the Holy Ghost has helped me to overcome it in my life. And as a church, if we'll keep the Holy Ghost moving in this church, God will help us to take care and address all of the issues that arise throughout the course of time. God will help us. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter 
will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Ghost is going to reprove some things. It doesn't mean you're a bad, bad person when the Holy Ghost reproves you. It just means that, you know what? God wants you to be better. God wants to help you. God wants to help me. And if I'll succumb, if, if I'll surrender to the will of the Holy Ghost, God will help me to be what he wants me to be. And this analogy of the church as a fine building also reveals to us the importance of a good and a solid foundation, which includes doctrinal teaching, practical preaching, holiness, and the ordering of priorities. And we have preached about these things, and we're going to preach about them in the future. Amen. I'm not going to be one that stands up here and preaches holiness every single night that I'm behind the pulpit. That's not a balanced diet. If somebody stands up here and all they do is preach holiness 100% of the time, that's great that you love holiness. I love holiness. I believe in holiness. I want to be holy. I want a church that's holy. But I've got to be well-rounded, balanced preacher. We've got to, I've got to give you not just uh, uh, vanilla ice cream, but I've got to give you steak and potatoes. I've got to give you some vegetables. I've got to give you some salad. And there's got to be uh, the different food groups, if you will, that are at work in our lives that produce a healthy, balanced diet. People go wrong when all they do is eat chocolate. People go wrong when all they do is eat sushi. There was a story that came out in the news some time ago about a man that ate sushi all the time, every day, for I think it was like months, maybe even years. He ate sushi all the time. And wouldn't you know that they unraveled, I think it was like a, I don't even know, remember how long the tapeworm was that came out of his system. It was like 30 or 40 feet long, just unraveling and unraveling this tapeworm. Say, well, I love sushi. That's great. But eat some other stuff too. I love holiness. But we can have some other uh, teaching as well that will help us. This also reveals to us the quality of building materials. In a building, if you cut corners and you, you sacrifice quality and you sacrifice certain things in the building of, the, of that, uh, that edifice or whatever it is that you're building, amen, uh, and you, you're sacrificing, you're making shortcuts, you're going to reap some consequences. Just to, I think it's still there. Obviously it's still there. It would take a long time to, to take down, but there's the, uh, the Millennium Towers, I think it's called, in San Francisco that they failed to take into account different factors, and now that building is sinking into the earth. We've got to have a solid foundation. We've got to have a solid foundation and we've got to have the real thing and not the counterfeit. You say, well, you know what? Uh, I just love preaching. I love preaching too. But as a church, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we've got to have a lot of teaching. And we've got to be able to, as I've had to learn and as I've had it instructed to me, slow down and just teach a little bit. That's something that Pastor Shoemaker told me. You know what? Just, just slow down and teach. Just slow it down a little bit. Talk to the people. And that's been a, something that I've learned. I was talking just a few, uh, a short while ago to um, Elder um, Curtis Young. that retired from uh, Pastor Oakland Tabernacle 
in Oakland. And he said that, you know what, some of the people uh, that go the furthest, living for God the longest in, in life that he's seen, have been people that have exposed themselves to consistent apostolic teaching. Just a lot of teaching. Because it helps to give you some grounding, some, some footing in life. If, if, if we're just all about the shout, all about the preaching, and we have no teaching that... And I'm going to say like this. If there's... If there's if from this pulpit, there's never something that comes across and you say, you know, I don't like that. Then there's something wrong. Because there should be, throughout your walk with God, times you come to church and say, man, I don't like that. Because that, that doesn't rub me the right way. That means you're probably in the right church. If there's, you come to church, you say, man, why is he just after me? You know what? Maybe God's trying to speak to you. I never forget as a, as a young boy hearing my father preach and teach so many years. And there would be people that would walk out and say, all he's doing is preaching at me. And it, we were a smaller church at the time. And my dad's response was, well, who am I going to preach to? <laughs> who am I going to preach to? The people that are not here or the people that are here? There's going to be times when we come to church and we say, man, that doesn't suit me right tonight. I don't like that. But you know what? He's right. And God will help us. And that building inspector, as that building inspector comes into our our church, our lives, one of the things that I knew the building inspector would definitely have a problem with is our back doors. This door, that door, and then one of the Sunday school rooms. Because before they had a doorknob, a regular turn doorknob, and I knew they were going to hit us up on that. Because in case of emergency, people need to flee the building without any restrictions. So knowing that, I'm, I preempted them, paid a little bit of money out of the church, but prevent a lot of headaches, and I just put in push bars. And that door, the door, and the, uh, all the back doors, push bars. And so you know what? It helped us. And there are certain things that God will speak to you and say, you know what? Just do this. It'll save you some heartache. It'll save you some pain. It's going to cost you. It costed us a little bit of money. The guy gave us a break on it because he knew we were paying as a church and we a nonprofit and so forth. But he, he gave us a break. But we haven't had – now when people, inspectors come in or city officials, they come in, no, everything looks pretty good. You've taken care of everything. And my prayer is that, you know what, I can go to God in prayer and one day, and a prayer will never happen where God will say, oh, everything looks pretty good. Because God's always going to give you something. And God's always going to say, you know what, work on this, Brother Noah. Brother Josh, work on this area of your life. And if we got a right spirit, we'll say, okay, God, if I'll do that, I'll be a little bit more like you. I can represent you to my world. And it is an unsafe building. If an unsafe building is built using cheap materials, gimmicks, and unskilled labor, faulty construction, it will not provide for a safe and protective church. And when the storms come, that building will crumble. That building will crumble. If we as a church, as we're seeking to see an apostolic, thriving, Pentecostal church built right here in Lathrop, if us as some of the core, amen, the core has got larger since we've been here. 
and the church is growing. Uh, if we will get a hold of a solid foundation of praying and fasting and dedication to the word of God, this church will stand on our shoulders. This is a foundational group right here. That it's not something that we, we uh, go back and forth on, but if we say, you know what? We're just going to be solid apostolic believers. We're just going to be prayer warriors. We're going to fast. Fasting shouldn't be something that, you know, you say, you know, I'm going to fast in the month of July when we get a little closer. Just pick one day a week and fast one day a week. If you do one day a week, by the end of the year, you fasted 52 days out of the year. And the guy that went on a 40-day fast 40 years ago, you've surpassed him. You just had a lifestyle of praying and fasting. And, you know, you just determine, I'm going to just read three chapters of the Word of God every day. I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm going to give myself to praying an hour a day. I'm going to make that my goal. At least an hour a day, I'm going to make my goal three chapters uh, of the Word of God every day. I'm going to make it a goal to fast at least one meal or one day a week. And I'm going to stick to the bread and butter, the core. And God's going to help me to work through any issues that I have in my life. And this church, as it grows, is going to stand on the backs of these families here tonight. That have given themselves to praying and fasting. And the study of the word of God. And an open heart and an open ear to hear the, the word of God that's preached across this pulpit. And this church will be built upon the backs of this people. A, a group that believes in praying and fasting. In this current setup that we have here in the sanctuary is uh, conducive to praying. You can walk around and pray. You can lay on the altar and pray. You don't feel like people are tripping over you. There's room here to pray. You can come to here and pray. You can take some time and fast. You can come here and read your Bible, whatever it is. Amen. But th- this place should be conducive to, to seeking God and to consecrating ourselves to the Lord. And God will help this church. And if we'll get this tonight, Sister Didi, and we'll, we'll see this church established as a strong apostolic core of a church. What is the purpose of a building if it never sees people come in and receive healing? If we'll do our part to see this church built up and we'll be healthy and we'll do what's needed to be done in our lives. There can be people that walk in off the street and say, man, I feel like I can really receive some healing. I can receive some strength. I can receive some direction tonight. And God can help me in this place. And God wants to do it and God is doing it. And God's going to help us to do it more. I've got a I've got a boatload more notes, but uh, uh, we'll get to it another time. Um, I was going to talk about how the church is also a work of art. It's Christ's bride, a sheepfold. Uh, one thing that I will finish with is the church is it also, according to 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, the church is a cultivated field. The church is a field that is cultivated. And it matters where you're planted, where you exist in this life. Uh, Those seeds that are planted, as we know from the the parable of the sower that went forth to sow, there were seeds that were by the wayside. And that that wayside, there was no individual, no person to, to protect, to pray for that seed, to pray for that plant. There was nothing that protected it. But that seed that was a garden side. There's another story in the in the Gospels 
Uh, I believe it's in Luke chapter 13, 6 to 9. The garden side tree had a gardener or a shepherd to care for it. And when Jesus came by and sought to rebuke it and curse it to the ground, the gardener spoke up and said, wait a minute, give me one more year. Let me work with this thing. I'm still working on it, Lord. Just be patient with them. And oftentimes the pastor or the gardener is that way. And there's been many times I've reached out to God. I said, God, help me to reach this person and that person. God, God, give me a little bit more time. I'm, I'm still working on them, Lord. And that's the beauty of being in the church. That's the beauty of, the beauty of being garden side and not wayside believers. The wayside see that no one to plead for it. No one to nurture it and work with it. And nobody felt responsible for the wayside seed. You say, well, I don't need a pastor. Well, you do, but if you want it to be that way, be a wayside seed and see how long you last. Because this is the way which God has instructed it to be. And God has designed it to be. The garden side tree has one to assist it in its development. The church as a cultivated field is the antithesis of a weed patch. Weeds that steal the nutrients from the soil, which are meant for the crop's growth. That's what weeds are. The church is not a weed patch that is overgrown with undesirable elements. But the church is a cultivated field. And in a cultivated field... If I'm doing my job as gardener in my house, my backyard, I've gotten uh, careless a few times and there's been some weeds overgrown, overgrown, and I've had to say, you know, I've got to go through and I've got to pull all these weeds. I've got to make sure that I put my thermometer in the soil right by this tree and make sure it's moist or, and not wet or not dry. And I've got to make sure I'm, I'm tending to my garden. I'm making sure that there's, no, there's nothing that's cropping up in my yard that shouldn't be there. And the last several days, I've noticed my front yard, there's little seedlings or little mini trees that are popping up on my grass. They're not weeds. They're like little trees. I've seen those. They're like suckers that are by a tree. And I'm thinking, i got to get to that. The longer I wait, it's going to get harder to deal with. But the church is a cultivated field. And just having a crowd doesn't make us a church. For us to truly be the church... We must be God's eternal construction project on earth. And we must be revealing God to our world. And we must be filling the deepest needs of mankind. For us to be that church. In a cultivated field, there's going to be times when the gardener comes in and says, that's a weed. Let me get that out of there. Think, oh man, that hurt. Or the gardener may come by and say, this ground's getting hard. You're getting a hard heart. I'm going to run it over a little bit. I'm going to plow this ground and it doesn't feel good. You're thinking, man, he's just working on me tonight. What's going on? Because if you'll keep that tender heart, God can begin to deposit some other things into your spirit. And God can help you to grow. But we've got to understand, you know what? When the going gets tough and we feel like, man, that pastor's picking on me or he's just working on me or he's just he's coming against me, whatever. No, he's just working that, that soil. He's just cultivating that field. He's pulling some weeds out. He's saying, you know what? You got this issue. You got that issue. Let me take care of that. And it's God using the gifts that Sister Dee read a few moments ago to help this church be what God wants it to be. And God 
It's God's church. At the end of the day, it's God's church. We're God's people. He loves this church. He wants to see us prosper. He wants us to be profitable servants. God wants to help us. God wants to use us. Amen. And I'm thankful for all that God has done. And I know it may not always look like it around here. 